to lend me your ears. Uh, we got another government entity to talk about today, but uh, I want to reassure everybody that it's not going to be the same kind of a vibe as the last one. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, Department of Labor, and, and uh, as you can tell from the tone of my voice, <laughs> uh, I had quite a bone to pick with, uh, with that whole situation. This is not going to be that. Uh, this episode is going to go back to the kind of theme that I've had with these podcasts, which is learn from my mistakes. Um, before we talk about OSHA, though, I want to bring up yet again, I know I had a whole episode on this, but I'm going to touch on it again, the importance of safety. The other day I was teaching a CSIA class and we were talking about safety and I forget how the conversation started, but I ended up in the back of the room uh, while the other teacher was teaching and I was in the back Googling most dangerous jobs in the United States. And you should do the same. Uh, a lot of the the normal ones, the obvious ones came up, military, police, fire. Um, but was interesting to me, I clicked into maybe eight or 10 different websites looking at different lists people had made. On almost all of them, roofer was in the top 10. And I was like, that is really weird. And I kept reading the same wording. It was all different sites, but they all had the same thing to say which is it was dangerous because of the heights, working at heights, working in heat, uh, slipping and falling. And I'm like, okay. A number of them also had construction or construction foreman in the top 10. And I was like, that's interesting, right? Our job as chimney sweeps, in my opinion, might be the most dangerous job in the United States right? If you take into account that we're working at heights like a roofer, we're working from ladders, we're working on roofs, we're working at heights, we're working in cold, we're working in hot. There's the inherent fall fear that is uh, built into our job, but then also we're using power tools, right? A roofer is up there with hammer, nail, nail gun. That's about it, right? We're up there with grinders and rotary hammers, and we're using a lot of power tools and we're using cutting into bricks. And there's a lot more that we do that is inherently more dangerous than a roofer. So I started thinking, is our job the most dangerous job in the United States? And people don't know about it. Chimney sweep, chimney technician didn't show up on any of the lists that I was reading because no one knows that we exist still. And if they do know we exist, they think of us as singing and dancing on a roof and kind of gimmicky. So we haven't done a well enough job of educating the public on what we do to the fact that we do more than sweep chimneys. And the more that we do is dangerous. And in my opinion, if you take into account all these lists of dangerous jobs, construction at heights makes the list. So keep that in mind as you're doing your job out there. I know it's second nature for a lot of us, right? We go out there and we climb a ladder, we walk on a roof, we do this job that we've done for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, a lot of us 40 years we've been doing this job. It's second nature to us. But when you train somebody, somebody new, somebody green, when you have to take someone that's never done your job and show them how to do it, all of a sudden it's a lot more dangerous than you think. And I've heard from business owners, you know, if, if this guy that I hire can't climb a 12 pitch and can't walk a peak and can't be 17 stories in the air carrying a bucket on his head, then I don't want him. Right? That's a terrible way to run a business. All that person is telling you is they're bad at training. It might not be that they're a terrible trainer in and of themselves, but it might just be that this job is hard to teach to somebody that's never done it before, right? You could take a mason who's really good at building bricks on the ground, but you put him three, four stories in the air doing it from a ladder or from scaffolding, totally different job. 
So you need to remember that as you're doing this job, as you're training this job, that this job might be the single most dangerous job in the country, and it should be treated that way. If you're training new people on it, the first thing you need to explain to them is how dangerous this job is, and here's how I'm going to keep you safe doing it, right? I've talked a lot about my training that I've done with my guys, and we take them in for the first week, and they do training in-house in a training center we've built on site, and the first day used to be sweeping, right? Here's how brush, here's a drill, here's how you set up. The more we've done it, the more we've realized exactly what I just said. The first day, the first couple days really, is all about safety. Here's all of the tools that you're going to use. Here's all the ways we're going to keep you safe from them. Here's a respirator, here's gloves, here's a harness, here's ropes, here's your booties. We go through everything we're going to require them to wear while doing this job and explain how to use it and get them fitted day one. Now on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, we'll get into how to sweep a chimney, how to climb a ladder. That's how important safety is. That's how important safety should be to everybody listening. You are doing the most dangerous job in the country, construction at heights. Act that way. And I'm still seeing people in these forums and online, like I'm, I'm done with social media. The stupidity that's out there is really getting to me and I can't take it. And when I say can't take it, it's because I tend to mouth off and get in trouble by getting into Facebook fights because it's just stupidity. It's it's ridiculous. And I still see it out there. I see somebody put a picture up of doing it safely, doing it the right way, and the comments start with, oh, look at his helmet. Oh, I did this without a harness. Or, oh, you need that to climb up. Or, oh, you wouldn't last at my job. Or, I wouldn't be caught dead. All these stupid things when we're talking about safety. You want to argue over the best way to put a liner in or the best way to pour a crown? Have at it. There's nine ways to skin a cat and everybody's got a different opinion on it. Fine. When it comes to safety, this isn't a joke. And people are still making a joke out of it. There was somebody that commented on one of my pictures on my business Facebook page because I put up a picture of one of my techs wearing a helmet, which they're required to wear to do anything on a roof. They have to, or I fire them. It's that big of a deal. So I put this picture up and it wasn't even about the technician. It was about the chimney. But the comments start with, oh, nice helmet. Oh, it's amazing that, you know, nobody else can get the job done without looking stupid or whatever. And I'm like, really? This is still out there? People are still that kind of caveman, cowboy up attitude? Yes. I have to remind myself that when I first started actually getting safety involved with my company, it was really hard to turn that ship. I had heard all the stories that are out there, heard about Jim Brewer's guy falling off the roof and dying, heard from Mark Stoner talking about falling off the roof, not being able to work. There's all these stories out there of people actually dealing with the consequences of this job. And I finally had enough. I was like, we're going to switch it. We're going to start wearing harnesses. We're going to start doing all the right things. And I had two employees at the time that literally to my face were like, no, (laughs) like I'm not going to do it. One of them, was a little bit more seasoned than the rest. He had been doing it a long time. It was, you know, I know how to do this. I learned the right way. I don't know how to, I'm not going to do all the safety stuff. And he literally told me, no, he's like, I'm just not going to wear that crap. And I was like, but you are, that's the thing. He doesn't work for me anymore because safety became paramount. That was, it became inherent. We have to be safe doing this job. One of the biggest problems with writing that in our company was me. Because I was that guy that had done it for so long and I'd been trained by somebody else and I've been walking on ladders since before you were, all that dumb stuff started coming out of my mouth. Then I realized I had to change. No one was going to do it unless I was leading the charge and I was setting the example for it. Because if I tell them to do it and I show up and I don't, they're not going to follow. 
So I realized that I was the problem and that I had to also get through that mindset of this is the right way, regardless of how I was trained. And it's not even like these problems were tens of years ago. It's still happening now. Dion Martorella fell off a roof last year. There was a GoFundMe going around for him because he literally broke his back and was laid up and couldn't work anymore. There's always a story somewhere if somebody fell or somebody got hurt. It's in, it's a problem. We need to be safe doing this job. All right. <laughs> I'm off the soapbox about it. I'll get to the actual meat of this uh, of this episode, but I just I have to get that across to people because I'm so sick of this minority mindset. Like the ones being safe, the ones wearing the equipment, the one doing it right are the minority because we're not. All right. So if I could ask one thing of everybody listening, start flooding your social media with pictures of your safety. Everybody's seen enough caps before and after, liners before and after, bricks before and after. My goal the last six, eight weeks or so, if you've been on our company's Facebook page, has been people. Showing more people, showing them at work, showing what they do. But at the same time, I won't post a picture unless the guys are being safe. So that's become a part of our culture is everything that we put out, everything that we do has to have safety involved or I won't post it. I won't show it. And it's even gotten to the point, like I said, that if my guys don't follow safety protocols, they don't work for me anymore. It has to come to that. But we'll get to that in a minute. So why did I start this episode with all of that? Here's why. I don't want you to think that you need to be safe because OSHA or you need to be safe because fines. That's not why you be safe doing this job. You need to be safe doing this job because you're doing the most dangerous job in the country. You're doing construction at heights. Okay. I have to drill that in because some people think that this is not what we do. That's the reason that you're safe is because one wrong step, one loose shingle, one gust of wind, there's so many different reasons that an accident happens. And it's always an accident, right? It's never the new guy that falls. It's always the seasoned guy that's too comfortable. The reason we do this is you can't plan for an accident. So you plan to prevent them. That's the whole point. So when I talk about OSHA, yeah, I'm going to tell you about my experiences with them, but that's not the reason that you should be safe. You need to be safe because it's your life. It's your health. It's your your ability to walk, period, right? Take it seriously. And if you're going to hire people, you're going to put other people in this job doing what you do, don't ask them to sign up to be a cowboy like you. That's just bad leadership. Hey, come over here and be stupid because I'm stupid. No. If you're going to hire people, show them the right way to do it. That's why a lot of people don't want to grow is because it takes a lot of sacrifice. This isn't so much a sacrifice as much as growth. You need to personally grow to be able to impart it. I've had to live that. I know I'm up to 30 employees. Every time I hire somebody, we have to have that culture of safety going because this guy's not going to follow if we don't, if we're not all doing it already. So it's bred, it's repeated, it's overtrained because you have to, because it's easy to not do. All right, off my soapbox for real this time. Let's talk about OSHA. So there I was, I think it was Norfolk Convention. And I finally decided to pull the trigger. I said, hey, we're all going to be safe. I had the guy that worked for me. For those that heard of the other episode uh, about the overtime, this was Mr. Overtime. Mr. I forget what it was, 249 or <laughs> whatever. Uh, but this was that same employee. Veteran, knew how to do it, could climb a chimney before he could tie his shoes. You know, the old, you know, all that. He's the one who goes, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, yes, you are. We finally get harnesses for everybody. We get all the uh, the safety equipment set up. And I tell him, you have to use these. I'm giving it to you. I'm buying it for you. I'm training you. You have to use it. You have to use it. 
and I send them out in the field and I trust that they're going to. I was actually on a plane taking off from Boston on the way to Indianapolis uh, for a board meeting for the CSIA. And my company knows that when I'm going to a board meeting, I'm, I'm disappeared. I don't exist. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't bother me. I'm busy. I'll be back in a couple days. I'm sitting on the runway about to take off and my phone rings and it's one of my employees. <laughs> I'm like, they know better. What is this? And I answer the phone and he goes, Hey, uh, we're at the job and I'm standing next to a guy from OSHA. He just showed up on the site and I'm like, are you kidding me? And he starts to talk and the flight attendant looks at me and she's like, you got to put your phone down. You got to put your phone down. We're taking off. I'm like, I will. I will. What happened? Tell me what happened. And he's trying to tell me and the stewardess is trying to talk to me. And then the plane starts to take off and then I lose service in the middle of the conversation. So I had to spend two something hours on the flight going, what the hell is happening back there? What had happened was we went to do a job in Concord, which is the state capital. Uh, somewhat downtown Concord is not very big industrially. There's a lot of neighborhoods around the city and, uh, they went to this house. It was uh, erect scaffolding. I think it was a partial rebuild, uh, liner cap in a single flue chimney. Like this is wheelhouse for us. This is so easy to do. They get out there, they set up, they're working the whole day. Unbeknownst to them, they were two blocks away from the local federal OSHA office. <laughs> Later, when I went to OSHA for the conference, the guy brought me into his office. And what had happened was this OSHA employee comes in, gets his coffee, and goes and sits at his desk. And as he's sitting at his desk, he looks out the window, and two blocks away, he sees scaffolding being set up on a roof. So by their law or rules, whatever, he's got to take a look. It's within his area, his eyesight. He looks out the window, and he watched my guys all day. All day. From the second they got there or the second he got there until they started packing up. And what he told me was if they had shown any instance that they were going to try to be safe, he wouldn't have gone over there. He goes, even if they had just made an attempt, that's all he wanted was just show me you want to try. <laughs> and he goes, I sat here all day watching them. And he showed me a, a book of pictures he was taking. He took pictures the entire day, time stamped the whole thing. Literally from nine till four or five in the afternoon, whatever it was, he was taking pictures and he goes, they never tried, not even once. So the second they started packing up for the day, I had to go over. So the guy leaves his office, literally walks down the street to walk up on my guys. Hi, I'm from OSHA. I'm like, are you kidding? What are the odds? Right? So one of the first things he asked him after introducing himself is, do you have any safety equipment? <laughs> and Mr. Overtime goes, yeah, we got it reaches into the van, pulls out the harnesses that I had just bought everybody like three, four months prior, and he holds it up. And there in this book, the OSHA guy's showing me is a picture of Mr. Overtime holding a harness out in front of him with this dumb look on his face. And I'm like, <laughs> which hurt us worse because they had it and didn't use it. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So he interviews him, takes a bunch of pictures. They tried calling me. I found all the stuff out later. Long story short, we got fined for three different things. One was no hard hats on the ground under the scaffolding or ladders. Uh, one was no fall protection. Nobody was wearing a harness up on the roof. Improper access to the scaffolding. Because I didn't know this at the time. You're not supposed to climb the outside of the scaffolding. You're supposed to have a ladder on it so you can access it. 
Once again, I had been trained by a guy that has been doing this for 20 years and I know everything, so listen to me, who needs training? One of those guys. So I didn't know any better either. But that's the rule. You either have to have a ladder attached to it, or if you uh, are setting up and you don't have a ladder attached to the scaffolding itself, you have to lean a ladder on it and attach it. They didn't either, and they were just climbing the side of the scaffolding all day. So we got three fines. All three fines totaled, I think, $21,000, $22,000. All because we set up within view of the OSHA office and proceeded to flaunt our lack of safety. (laughs) Can't make this stuff up. So that was our first go around with them. I took that as a as a kick to the face like I should have, and I was like, we're going to fix this. And I made policies that if you're the reason we get fined, if you're out there flaunting this, if you're doing this with, and we get caught and it's your fault, you'll be fired. And I bought more safety and we trained on safety and we have all these safety policies, and uh, which is something else that I'll have to have uh, my safety manager, Max, in for an episode because we're supposed to have a hell of a lot more safety protocol than we do. A lot of us are like, oh, I wrote it down on a piece of paper or we had a training. No, not the case. There are so many accident logs that we're supposed to have. There's paperwork we're supposed to file. Um, there is so much more to safety that I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a, uh, an insight into that, right? Um, we have accident reporting forms through our payroll company and our HR that we know to fill out. So if somebody cuts their finger or if they, you know, take a blow to the head or something like that happens. Yes, we have accident reports that we fill out and they're long. They're like eight pages long and we've asked to get shorter ones and they're like, no, there's no shorter ones. We're like, great. Eight pages every time somebody gets hurt. Side note, if you haven't been filling out accident reports, you need to. So there's that. Uh, Some people might not even know that part of it. So we knew that part of it, right? So one day, one of my office assistants uh, is playing around in the office. Uh, my son was actually over, and they were kind of they were playing some game in the middle of the office. She ends up stepping on his foot and kind of rolling her ankle a little bit. And she's like, oh, ow, this hurts. And we we're like, okay, go back to your desk. Stop playing around. She comes in the office. She's like, oh, it hurts. We're like, oh, you want to go to the hospital or anything? She's like, no, I think I'm good. We're like, can you walk on it? Let me see you walk. Okay, you're fine, you know, because we're, doc- we're doctors. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, she comes in, and she goes, it's still hurting. So I went to the doctor. I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? She goes, well, I I think she like chipped or sprained or it was some little tiny fracture, but she got it from messing around. And I was like, oh my God, I we had no idea. And you've been walking on all this time and I'm so sorry. And uh, we tried to get workers comp to cover it. Looking into that, there was two reasons that it could not be covered. One, if you don't know this, uh, workers comp does not cover horseplay. So if your guys, you know, who would think that I found this out through the office, but if your guys are out messing around and wrestling and somebody gets hurt, not a workers comp claim because it falls under horseplay. Two, if you get hurt, even though you're at work, but you get hurt doing something that is not a part of your duties, not covered in a workers comp. Roughhousing and playing around or what? I think they were like kicking a ball around the, the office or something, not part of her duties. So we looked into workers comp. Couldn't be covered for both those reasons. She was horse playing and it was doing something not part of her duties. We're like, great. So we can't get a workers comp coverage on that. And we left it at that. I ended up, I think I paid for some of her doctor's visits or something. I forget, but we, we made it right and it healed and everything was fine. We all forgot about it. About a year goes by and I get a letter in the mail from the department of labor. I'm like, oh goody. (laughs) This was from the state department of labor though, not federal because we were already dealing with them. So we got this letter thinking it was part of the same. It was not. This was the State Department of Labor, and it was a fine. It was $100. 
I'm like, what did we do now? It was failure to report. I'm like, what do you mean? We, we report everything. Everybody. I was like, did you, you guys fill this out? And everybody, yeah, 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 we did. We keep reading into it. And it was her. It was her rolling her ankle. We didn't report it. And I'm like, I'm supposed to report that? So I get on the phone with my lawyers. I get on the phone with our, our payroll company and HR and all that. I'm like, what is going on here? Come to find out, you have to report every injury, everyone. Because when she went to the doctor, the doctor then logs it as a workplace incident. And it goes somewhere in the cloud and eventually DOL ends up with it. And DOL matches it up to anything that's been reported. So we had been recording it, giving it to our payroll. I didn't know that payroll was also sending it to the state. I didn't know where it went after that. Or I'm sorry, HR. They're one and the same. But they send it off to the state. And the state's over there matching up records. So they got a worker's injury claim or doctor visit and didn't have a report from us. And I got a $100 fine. If it happened again, the letter told me, I think it was like 500 or a thousand, and then it was like 2,500, but it keeps going up from there. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So this is important. We had a guy that was uh, helping unload caps off of the delivery truck and he was wearing shorts. I allow my guys to wear shorts because I'm not going to be that guy to say you have to wear pants. I always do, but he's wearing shorts and he's like sidestepping with the cap and his knee grazed the, the mesh on one of the caps, put a nasty cut into his knee deep too. We were over there trying to fix it and help him out. Um, we had to write that up too. Another incident report. One of my technicians got bit by a dog. A couple little, it broke the skin, but it wasn't like deep, deep. Had to write up a report, eight pages. Every time something happens, we now have to log it. What we didn't know until we found out the hard way again is that Max then has to take those and file a form for OSHA. Every accident gets logged together on top of reporting it to the state. We have to also report it to OSHA at the end of the year. So we got dinged for that recently because we didn't have those filled out. There's so much. I mean, I could go on and on and fill up this entire episode, but I'm not the one that does it. So I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. I'll leave it up to Max at a later date. But God, we're doing the most dangerous job in the country. And there's rules to follow. There's things we're supposed to be doing. And we don't even know about it. No one's ever taught a class on that. So I'm working right now with Max to get a class put together so we can teach people how to do it. Because people, you you need to know this. If you're doing this job and you get hemmed up, ignorance is no excuse of the law. So all that stuff. We, we went through a ton of trainings. We've got logs. We've got records. Uh, we have trainings every Tuesday that Max has to have everybody sign in for. They literally have to sign that they were there for the training. Um, just so many things. So I consider our company very safe. I'm I'm very I'm like overboard when it comes to making sure they're doing it and yelling at them, buying new things. We've got some of the most ridiculous tools you've ever heard of. Uh, all of my vans have what's called warthogs. They're retractable lanyards because my guys complained about if you're going to make us wear harnesses, there's now ropes all over the roof. I don't want to trip and fall on it. So we looked into it and we got everybody. Each van has two of them. So I have 20 something of them all over the shop. Retractable lanyards. They have six, 10, 15, 30 feet long but everybody's got them. So now when you go up there on the roof, you hook in. We've got these uh, tie-ins for the roof that slide under the shingle. Then you nail them in underneath the shingle so that only the, the hook part is sticking out. You tie into it, you go about your job, and when you leave, you take the nails out, you fill the holes underneath the shingles, put it back down, can't even tell we were there. Or we leave them in. That's the other thing. Because it's screwed under the shingle, you leave them in, and we can have them there when we come back next time. 
but we just keep buying more and more safety and doing more and more training and more policies and more classes. And it's just, it's getting out of hand to the point that now Max, who was our operations manager, is now pretty much solely our training manager or safety manager, because that's 90% of his job at this point is keeping up with how much there is to actually do. Then we have this one employee. We'll call him Frank because we took Bob last week. So we'll go with Frank. So Frank was one of those mediocre employees. He was like good at his job for the most part, a lot of following up. He was one of the reasons we started doing QC was when we found out his jobs were a lot of hiding of sins is when we decided to implement uh, QC, him and a, a bunch of others, but his was the main one. So Frank had to be watched a lot. We had to follow up. We had to always give him extra hands. He's just you, that, you know, that employee, everybody has that one. Finally, it reached a boiling point last year where we're like, we're just done. We can't put up with how bad his work is and following up behind him and cleaning up his messes. So we're done. And we fired him. Maybe a week later, OSHA shows up at the shop. We're like, surprise, surprise. And we're like, this is going to be easy. We've got so much safety stuff. You know, let him come in. Let him see what he can find. Yeah, we're so safe. It's not even funny. Oh, he found a lot. <laughs> um, One of the biggest things was respirators, right? All of my guys have, almost all my guys have beards, as most trades do. But under OSHA, you have to have a fit test done in order to wear a respirator. I've never had a fit test done at my company. I never wanted to make everybody shave. So I just, it was one of those rules that I'm like, I'm not going to follow it because we don't need to. We need to, but no one knows kind of thing. He comes in and that's one of the first things he asks for is training logs and all this. And we're like, here's our training. Here's our logs. Here's all this stuff. Here's all these forms, incident reports, da, 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 we're good. And he's like, where's your fit test? We're like, oops. <laughs> he says, you have to have them. Uh, I went online while he was sitting in front of me and purchase one online that I have seen uh, a lot of other people wearing in the industry. And I purchased 20 of them right there in front of him, spent like $12,000 right in front of him. And he's like, well, well, well I mean, you know, you shouldn't have done that right away. I was like, no, I'm, I'm trying to be safe. I'm trying to show you how serious I am about being safe. Come to find out those respirators are not what's called NIOSH approved, which is a United States standard for testing. Um, they are, they passed all the standards in Europe, but they have not passed United States standards. And I talked to the, uh, the president of the manufacturer that makes those I actually was on the phone with him at one point, And he was explaining to me that the, the regulations in the United States are, are antiquated pretty much. It's, it, I really couldn't understand as he explained it to me a number of different ways, but they can't meet NIOSH standards, but they meet everybody else's whatever. So they wouldn't allow them. I was like, I just spent $12,000 on these things that are supposed to work with beards. That's the whole point behind them is they're, they're positive pressure and all this stuff, but they're not NIOSH approved. And my guys have been using them, have no issues with them. They can't breathe or they can't, they can't breathe. They can't smell anything. Uh, nothing's getting through them, but because they're not NIOSH approved, we're still in trouble. So I'm like, fine. We also didn't have a written plan for respirators once again, because I didn't want to put in writing that they had to shave beards to get fit tests. So I'm like, I'm not also going to put in writing that they shouldn't. So I just did nothing. Got busted for that. Um, but the biggest thing, there was actually three complaints that this former employee made. And I said it before about Bob. Um, I hate when an employee gets one over on me, <laughs> but he did again. Frank did. Uh, one of the complaints he made was that we made him lean a stepladder against a chimney. And I'm like, 
everybody does that. I've done it. I'm the heaviest guy in my company and I've done it. It's fine. You know, I'm not talking like full on extension ladder. I'm talking a little four footer to get up to where you need to go. I'm like, what's wrong about that? You can't lean a ladder against the chimney. I didn't know that. And OSHA guy's like, no, no, that's not the problem. He brings me over to the stepladder and on the side of the stepladder is listed the manufacturer's rules for it. And number four on our ladder says, do not use a folded ladder as a straight ladder. I'm like, what? That's a rule? (laughs) He's like, yeah. Evidently, this employee knew this rule because he went and complained about it, but never brought it up to management. Never told anybody, hey, this is on the side of this ladder. We're not supposed to be doing this. I've been doing it literally since day one. I have a picture of me my first day doing this job. I was doing that. Once again, trained by somebody that knows what he's doing. But it was one of those just assumed things. I'm like, I do it. Everybody does it. It's fine. Can't do it because the side of the ladder says so. And then I started looking into OSHA trainings and it actually says never use a folded step ladder as a straight ladder. I'm like, really? I'm going to get fined for that? Great. The biggest one, the biggest, biggest one was we had a job um, out on the seacoast on one of these stupid tall buildings, like old colonial uh, 40-something foot roof. And uh, we only have one 40-foot ladder because we rarely ever use it. It's hanging in the shop. The technicians know that if they get a job where they need it, they have to take it down, put it on their van, bring it out, or we'll bring it to them. But we only have the one. Everybody else has 32-foot on their van. So Frank gets the 40-foot ladder. And goes out to this really tall roof to go do an inspection. Gets up on the roof and violates every policy that we have. One, somebody's got to foot the ladder and stay on the ground. Two, not everybody's supposed to go up on the roof, especially if the the bottom is all screwed up or uh, unsecured. He didn't follow those rules. Uh, Also, we're supposed to put uh, standoffs. We have these standoffs that slide into the rungs. It doesn't like take all the time to bolt it to the ladder. It just slides into the outside of the rungs and it helps the ladder stay. I've actually been up on one testing it to see. It didn't move with me swinging around on it, so these things are good. I've had windy days, fine. Supposed to use stand-ups, supposed to foot the ladder. Don't everybody go up an unfooted ladder. Right? Those are our rules. He does all the above. Puts up a ladder without the standoffs on it. Nobody foots it. Everybody's up on the roof. Ladder blows over. Falls onto the ground. He calls management. I actually wasn't around for this. I heard about all of this after the fact. Um... Ladder's on the ground, and he calls and says, we can't get down. So my general manager goes out there, and the ladder is broken. 40 foot of ladder just fell over on a driveway. The ladder is now unusable. They can't get down. We don't have any other ladders to get them down because the longest ladder we have is now broken on the driveway. So they're trying to brainstorm, like, how do we get you guys down? Is there an attic? Is there a a manhole? Is there a window? There's nothing. No, nothing. Flat rubber roof. No way to get in. They're like, what the heck are we going to do, right? There was a building adjacent, and like I said, I wasn't out there myself, but the different people that I've heard talk about it, some said it was an eight-foot jump, some said it was a three-foot jump. Um, From what I saw later, I'd say it was a three- or four-foot jump. wasn't very big, but it was about a three- or four-foot jump from one roof to the next. Of course, three stories of a fall in between, Um, but they were like, hey, we might be able to jump this, and the manager on the ground goes... If you want to, you can. It wasn't like you have to, you should. He's like, if you guys feel like you can, go ahead. So they did. And one of the employees recorded the other one jumping from roof to roof. And when I saw it, I was like, okay, that's stupid, dangerous. That's ridiculous. Everybody made it. Like it was close enough that honestly, if I was on the on scene, I probably would have said the same thing. If it's close, if you feel safe, we'll figure it out. But jump to this roof, we can get you down from over here. 
that happened. Everybody made it across. Everybody made it down. Everybody was safe. I found out about it after the fact. People were talking about it. I saw the video. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Frank complained to OSHA about that. They made me, or my my manager told me, I forget what the word, but it was very forced language. Like we, you know, held a gun to his head because that's what victims do. They made me jump from roof to roof. So those were all the things we got busted for was... Uh, that was a willful violation. And he was right, by the way. That's a dumb thing to do, jumping from roof to roof. But at the same time, I'm like, what would I have done if I was in that situation? And it was a makeable jump. I probably would have said the same thing. So I don't put a lot of fault into that decision. And I said that to the OSHA guy. I'm like, what do you, what do you expect? You want us to like get a, a crane or anything? He's like, well, you could have called the fire department and they could have got you down. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, maybe that, yeah. And in retrospect, that would have worked, but Really, like, if I'm on site, am I going to call the fire department when there's a three-foot gap from roof to roof? I don't know. I don't know. It was one of those you-can't-train-for situations. It just happened. We're in a weird place where if it was any of the 32-foot ladders, we bring the 40 out to get them down, and you sit on the roof and you wait because you're dumb and you didn't foot the ladder. But it was just a a comedy of errors that led to this, and I'm like, I don't know what I would have done either. What ended up happening was, uh, according to OSHA, we had a willful violation because a superior allowed uh, an unsafe act, a very unsafe act. And I'm like, you got me. <laughs> it was. But at the same time, you know, retrospect is always 2020. But that's what we got dinged for. Um, that fine ended up being over $75,000, $76,000 for those fines. So the point of this episode, and some loudmouth on Facebook because everybody's a uh, uh, hero on Facebook said something like, oh, you know, tune in next week because John's going to show your employees how to screw you over with OSHA. That's not the point of this, right? Now, if you have an employee that wants to be a dingbat and wants to hurt you, they can't. That's in any job. They can always find a way to hurt you if you have that kind of employee. Bob and Frank both got one over on me. As as good as I treat them, as good as I pay them, as much as I train them, as, as much, as much, as much, people are still going to want to hurt you. I can't control that. What I'm talking to is the leaders right now. If you're a business owner, if you're a manager, if you're a lead technician, if you're a foreman supervisor, any of those things, your job, like I said at the top of this, is to protect your guys. You have to. You're doing the most dangerous job in the country, construction at heights. Act like it. Please, for the love of God, I'm sick of hearing about people actually falling off roofs and doing things and jumping from roof to roof and... It ha- I know it happens. And as safe as I thought we were, we still weren't. Like the level, the bar is so high. But don't just sit back and go, well, I mean, I've done this for 20 years. I know what I'm doing. I don't need to be shit. No, no. Raise the bar, right? Meet the bar at least. Try. Like the guy said at the first OSHA thing, if they'd even attempted to pretend to try, he would have looked the other way and be like, okay, they're good. But they just flaunted it. Don't be flaunting it, Right. These idiots that keep putting pictures on Facebook and bragging about their stupidity. Look at me standing on top of a boom truck. Look at me putting a ladder from my pickup into the, look at me tight roping a 12 pitch and, and they're bragging about it. Why? And their answer is always the same. I've been doing this since before. Great. What happens when one, one step goes wrong? One gust of wind, one loose shingle, anything. You're dead. You're dead at best. And I say at best because if you fall from three stories in the air and don't die, I've heard people say they wish they had from what happens to them, right? 
you can get into like, drinking from straws and and paraplegics and it's terrible. I can go off on all these awful examples and we all know what falling from a roof would do to you. Don't. Don't even give it the option. There are classes out there. There's roof access. There's rope access. There's harness classes. There's all these different things. Go get trained on it. Oh, let me guess. You know, I hear the other one too. I don't have time to train or I'm too busy to train. It's bullshit. It's the most arrogant thing a business owner can say is I am too busy to make myself better, right? That means what you're saying is I've already got it figured out. And you sound like everybody else with the, I've been doing this so long that I don't need to. Bullshit. Take this seriously. It's to the point now that Max, after everything else that he's been doing in the company, after this OSHA violation, he's now going out to become the qualified person. They want him to get OSHA training before he trains our people. So now it's more of the same. Don't just learn from Max's point of view or my point of view. Max has to go get trained by OSHA on fall protection, on scaffolding, and all of these things to then come back and train our guys on it. All of our guys are getting OSHA 10. All of our managers are getting OSHA 30. There's so much more that we didn't do. I thought we were like the best. I'm like, look at us with all of our safety. Turns out we were barely scraping the surface. On top of that, all of my guys have to get shaved to do a fit test now. I tried everything to keep them from it. I just tried to be the nice guy about it. It has to happen. I mean, this is just the world we live in. OSHA is a real thing. They may or may not show up on your job site. They may show up because one of your fired employees feels like such a big victim. He's got to get one over on you. It may happen because a competitor calls on you. Could happen for a lot of things. They get you through Facebook. I, I asked a lot of questions for both the investigators because I'm curious. There's a lot of misnomers out there, right? Everybody's like, oh, can't do this, can't do that. For instance, I asked about helmets. I asked about stickers on helmets. I'm like, is that allowed? And he laughed and he goes, yeah. He goes, OSHA gives out stickers. I had heard for years, you can't put a sticker on a climbing helmet or a hard hat. He goes, OSHA has stickers. And he started making jokes about like, you ever see a, a, a boom lift that's not being used? Uh, that's left overnight at a job site. What do they always do? They put the bucket up in the air. I got to put it like two stories up so nobody can get it. And he goes, that's not an OSHA regulation. I don't know where people get that from. If you want to start a boom lift, he goes, the controls are on the ground. He goes, you're not stopping anything, but people do it. There's so many misnomers out there. I wanted to get clear answers from him about a lot of things. And I did. And I was very honest. I'm like, look, I only know as much as I know. Help me. Help me get better. That's OSHA's actual job is to help you get better. They're, yes, they find people. And yes, it hurts when you got to write massive checks. That's not fun. But at the end of the day, they're trying to make sure that when you're doing dangerous jobs, let alone the most dangerous job, you're doing it right. Because who likes seeing a a, a cowboy tightroping a 12 pitch, Right. Maybe he does. He thinks he's bragging and everybody thinks he's wonderful. No, I want the the industry to get to the point that when that guy posts something, everybody shuns him. Everybody tells him up. But there's always there's always people like, oh, leave him alone. I was doing that. I did it yesterday. Look at me. And they jump in. The minor, the, They need to be the minority. They need to be the extreme minority. Like I said before, flood Facebook with your safety. Flood Instagram with your safety. Flood your website. Everybody needs to know that chimney sweeping is not a cowboy up, dance on the roof trade. This is for real. Construction at heights. We're dealing with windy days. We're dangling liners over our head. We're climbing up the sides of scaffoldings and getting inside chimneys and we're breathing in carcinogens. And when I teach the CSIA class and I get to the, the health and safety chapter, I start it the exact same way. And I tell all the students, everything in this job is trying to kill you. Everything. Everybody's like, oh, are you scared of heights? That's the tip of the iceberg, man. 
That's like, that's nothing. You want to hold an angle grinder two inches from your face from a ladder? You want to sit on a, a scaffolding while you're like reaching into a chimney? You want to dangle a 40 foot liner up in an arch over your head so you can get it into the chimney while sitting on the peak of a roof? You want to stick your face into an ash pit full of sulfur? You want to deal with animals and feces and diseases? You want something, you want a tape measure falling off a roof and paling you? Like everything in this job is trying to kill you. But we do it with no respirators. We do it with no harnesses. We do it with no care, with with no safety. And somehow people think that's cool. It's not. You can either deal with twenty, forty, fifty, hundred thousand dollar fines, or you can deal with death, or dismemberment, or maiming. Just for a cool Facebook picture, grow up. <laughs> this industry needs to grow up, and we can help. So go out there and flood social media with safety. And when you see somebody being unsafe, call them out for it or just ignore. No, you know, no, no. I said, I'll take that back. Don't call them out for it. We don't need any more of that hate and crap on Facebook. Ignore them. Report it. Do that. Report it to admins and we'll get it taken off because I'm just sick of it. Do this job safely. Take care of your employees. That's all I got. Until next week. (laughs) Have a good one.